This is HPR episode 2407 entitled The Lost Episode Part 2. It is hosted by Anibil and is about 22 minutes long and carries a clean flag. The summary is Anibil talks about flashing firmware to Atmega 328p chip to get a transistor tester kit working. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. This is NY Bill, and I'm back to do a follow-up to what I called the lost episode. It was a while back there. It was about a transistor tester kit that I got from China that after I built it up, it did not work at all. What I found in the previous, at the end of the previous episode is some of these tester kits. This, this is an open source project, these, the code for these transistor kits. And it seems that some Chinese manufacturers have taken like the specs or the board builds of this open source project and are making boards for it and they're sending you kits it's the board it's all the parts you need to build the kit but what some of these guys are not doing is they're not flashing the firmware onto the atmel chip that's the brains of this thing so what i was when i built up my kit i stuck my battery in there i pressed the button on the rotary encoder which should turn the board on and it just lights up the screen and there's nothing else so there was a long adventure, <laughs> like digging into AVR Dude and AVR Dude S and flashing these chips and having to find hex packages and EPROMs and, well, I'll go over it a bit here. So the, let me find this bookmark. I have so many bookmarks. I've been doing this for probably five hours, hours yesterday and hours this morning. So I'll link to some of this stuff in the show notes. First thing that I, I started doing the show notes already. Yeah, the first thing I linked to is the PDF for the guys who are doing this project. I think, well, it's two guys that have been running this project. I'm not going to be able to pronounce their names because it looks like it might be German. I don't know if one guy started it and the second guy picked it up or they're both still involved, but the one guy is Marcus Friedrich and the other guy is Karl Heinz hmm, Kubiler. Kubeler, hmm, K-U-B-B-E-L-E-R with the umlaut on the U. Sorry, I know I'm butchering you guys' names. But that's the first, the PDF you're going to look at. It goes, like, through an explanation of the whole project, like, where it came from, the different boards, the different boards that are out there, how to, goes into some of how to flash it. It links to where you can get the hex code. Well, the, I'll get, the, get into that in a second. Anyways, this is a good resource. The other thing I found out that I needed was I had an Arduino and I kept putting this chip in the Arduino and trying to push the firmware to this chip with the Arduino. You, I guess you cannot do that. From what I'm reading is the Arduino has its own bootloader and it's just that bootloader is there to run the Arduino and to upload its sketches. What we're doing with this chip 
In this test, there is it's a blank chip. There's nothing on it. You're going to put the hex code in there, and you're going to put your own like EEPROM bootloader. It, it really has nothing to do with the Arduino. It's just that the Arduino uses this chip as well. If you go searching for stuff like I did online, like DIY 2016, transistor kit, anything, you're going to end up in an Arduino site, and it was just leading me down the wrong path left and right. So if nothing else, maybe this episode will help you not to have to go down all these different paths. You're going to go down paths of different Atmel chips, different Atmel chips in different products. These things have been used for years and years. It's, it's not just the Arduinos that came out with them. They've been in microcontrollers and like controlling PLCs and things like that like for years and years. Anyways, the first thing I had to do was order a programmer. So the programmer was like $8. It was on Amazon. It's, I could take a picture of that too. It's a uh, USB. Oh, darn. I forgot the name of it already. USB AVR. Looking it up. Bear with me. A USB ASB, and it's by a company that is F-I-S-C-H-I dot D-E. But there are like 40 or more of these boards. So depending on which one you get, you're just going to have to know which kind it is because you're going to have to put those values in here in Averdude or what I'll, what I'll talk about after that. Next thing you do is you need to put your blank chip. Well, I put my blank chip in a, the Arduino Uno board. You can get a, a separate, uh, you can do this on a breadboard with a couple of capacitors and things, just link to the, right to the chip because this uh, programmer is going to power the chip. You don't really need the, I'm not using the Arduino to use any of its internal circuitry or its power supply or anything like that. I don't even think I'm using its crystal at this point. So out of the programmer, you have VCC and ground. You have MOSI, so input, MOSO, output. Uh, there's one pin that's not used on this header. You've got a reset and an SCK. I think that refers to uh, how fast you want to communicate. You change the frequency. And this particular board has 3.3 volts and a 5-volt jumper. If you're getting a, getting a board, you might as well look for one with a jumper because I think if you're going to use this for other products, it's going to be 3.3 volts, like an RPi. But the Arduino is 5 volts, so I got this in 5 volts. You take all of those pinouts, the ground, the VCC, the SCK, the input, output, and the reset, and you jumper them over onto the, uh, I did, onto the Arduino, there is a programmer header, a six-pin programmer header. I'll take a picture of this. You can see it's female-to-female jumpers until I ran out of jumpers, and then I used an alligator clip for the reset. After that, you plug in your board. Let me just stick it in down there. And do an L. Oh. And don't spill tea everywhere. Alrighty. <laughs> Do an LS USB. USB. So mine pops up on bus one, device 48. And it gives an ID, the vendor ID. And oh, geez. I wonder if this is maybe Swedish or Dutch? Van Oingen? I can't pronounce any of these. Oh, maybe it's German. That looks like. Anyways, <laughs> there's my device. It's showing up. It's on bus one, it's on bus 48. What you're going to find is you can't communicate to this device because you don't have write or read access to that bus. So what you can do there is a uh, sudo chmod 
plus 777 and do it on uh, dev bus USB and then in my case it's 001 comma 048 password did anyone just figure out my password length by counting those clicks all right so there okay so I changed the permissions now I can write to this programmer which in turn should be able to write to the chip so here's the next step the AVR dude you gotta make sure that the programmer can see the chip and that the chip is ready to accept the construction so that is AVR dude oh I think I have to sudo that or do I? maybe not AV then a minus C and then you need to choose your programmer here in my case it's the USB AVR no, USB ASP then a minus P now you're gonna tell him tell Averdude if I spell it right and stick an E on the end of there what chip you're trying to program in my case it's the Atmel 328P so that's if you if you do a C with nothing after it, or you do a P with nothing after it, it's going to give you a list of chips, and it's going to give you a list of programmers. So you can just you go through, you find your programmer. So once again, it, mine is A A AVR dude minus C USB ASP minus P M three two eight P. Then if you hit enter there, it's going to go out. It's going to check the board. It's saying yes, I can see the board. The device's signature is this. It's the fuses are okay. It's you're basically ready to use this setup to push your hex and your EEPROM to. So you go to you go to the location where you have your hex file and your EEP. Uh, certain places I went, it was like a GitHub thing and I, I'd pull in like the whole repository and I'd have to do a make file. Other spots on the net, I found someone already pre-compiled the hex and the EEP. I don't know how trustworthy that is. Anyways, you follow in the PDF where it's going to send you off. In my case, it was the uh, M... I can look that up. Um, if you get the same exact board, this might help if I tell you which which set of firmware I used. Downloads. It is the Mega328 underscore color underscore kit. Well, you're going to download Transistor Tester, Mega328 underscore color underscore kit kit dot tar dot gc. And when you extract that, sets up a folder. And in that folder was the hex file and the EEP file. So the next thing you do, or the next thing I did for like hours yesterday and hours this morning, I pulled the chip out of the tester. Well, I went to get, if anybody's going to do this and you're going to order a board already and you don't have one of these, sorry, I'm talking while I'm still cleaning up tea that I just spilt everywhere. Get a chip lifter. A chip lifter is a little, it's a little screwdriver looking thing, but the end of it is hooked and it looks like a like the back of a claw hammer. So that can just get under the chip and you can slowly lift it up because if you try and pull a socketed chip out with your fingers, you might get it done once out of 10 times, but those other nine times you're gonna bend the pins all the hell. So I find a chip lifter that's handy tool to put in your kit. Anyways, I pull the chip out of the tester. I put it in the board, plug in the board, find the board, set my permissions right, get everything ready to burn. Then I'd go back to Averdude and it's the same as before, the UC with the put your board, and then the UP, you put your chip, and then you do a dash capital P. Now you're going to tell it what port to use. So in my case, it was dev, bus, USB, 
one, and then what were we on? I forget, it was 48 or something. This increments every time you plug the thing in and out. Then you gotta tell it which file to flash. So you're gonna do it, capital, dash capital U, flash, colon W, colon, and in my case, transistor tester dot hex, colon I, and then you don't have to do this, but I like to do a slash V, just so I can get the verbose readout in case there's any errors. When you're flashing this, flash the hex first. Because if you flash the EEPROM, and then you flash the hex, the hex is just going to write right over the EEPROM. So make sure you do this. So we do that one, and then the next thing is put the EEPROM. The, it looks almost exactly the same. Averdude, you put your board, you put your chip, you put the bus location. Then you do flash colon W colon, and in my case, transistor tester dot EEP. Don't do the, the trailing colon I this time. And then I did verbose again. And I did this like, must have been 20 times. It looks like it goes through, it verifies, everything's clean. I pull the chip out, put it back in the tester, plug my battery in, press the button, and it's the same as it was. Just, the screen just lights up and nothing happens. This is where another program came in handy. I started reading about Averdudes. Averdudes is a GUI front end for Averdude. And I downloaded it and installed it just to see if it would, maybe it would give me some more uh, information that I wasn't seeing just with the, the Averdude. And it turns out that was the case. This is a Windows program. If you're running Windows, you can pull it in, run it, no problem. If you're running Linux, you got to run it with Mono, which, you know, you had to add the, add the repository for Mono and go get Mono complete. But, and then you, you know, that's, that could be an episode in itself. But you'll get Averdudes running. And here I have it in front of me. So here, to flash a chip with Averdudes, Dudes, top left, you pick your programmer, and I can scroll here. There is a list of, there's got to be 40 programmers. So there's my programmer near the bottom of the list. I select that, and then that just kind of uh, sets up the speed that the programmer is going to want to use. If you want to put your port in here, you can, but we actually took care of that earlier. To the right of that, you pick your chip, which in this case is the Atmega. There it is. Nope, that's not it. I wish they'd put them in order of the, of the numbers going up. They jump all over the place. Atmega, there it is, 328P. Below on the left, the next line below is where you're going to select your flash. This looks very Windowsy to me. I haven't seen this all this light blue in a long time, but you just go through your folder structure, find your hex file, Click on that. Below that, you go, same thing, select your EEPROM. So you go find that .eep. And then I hit program. And below is a window, and you can see Averdude running just like it did before. And it spits out, and it verifies, and it's complete. And I pull the chip out, and I put it back in the tester, and I'm right back where I was. Nothing. I press the button, and it's just a white screen. So I'm starting to, like, lose it at this point. Then I notice Averdudes has radio buttons in the flash and the EEPROM section that say verify. So I stick the chip back in and I go up, I click the radio button to verify, I click go, and there it spits out the error. The error is, geez, I wish I took a picture of that because I don't remember exactly what it was. But in my case, the error was the fuses and lock bits were not set correct correctly. So there, maybe there's a way to do that in Averdude on the command line but I'm brand new to all this, and I don't know all the flags and switches yet. So the GUI did help me in this case. What I needed to do was go 
Underneath where you select the chip and Aerodutus, you'll see fuses and lock bits. You can click a button to read them. And then the problem I was having was with E, the lock bit. I don't know if it's a fuse or a lock bit. In my case, it's an OXFD. That's the setting that's in there. What it needs to be is OX04. And what Averdutis just allowed me to easily do is go up to that field right next to it and just change it to OX04. I go back to Flash and EEPROM, set them to write. I hit Program, and the thing programs. I hit Verify, and they both verify. So, aha, that was an exciting moment. Pull the chip back out, put it in the tester, press the button down. I see that white screen. I feel a little dejected again. But then all of a sudden, the screen turns blue, and I see the boot up happening. So we're making progress there. I can see a screen I'm familiar with in another tester that I have. The problem I ran into then was as soon as I lift up on the button on the rotary encoder, everything goes, goes away. The, the board is not latching. What's supposed to happen is you press the button, pin six on the chip is going to go high to five volts, power the board, and then in programming is you know how long the board's going to stay on, 30 seconds or 40 seconds. I don't know what they have that set to, but then that pin, pin six will go low and shut the board off. So every time you use this, you just you press the rotary encoder in, it turns it on, you do your test, and then it'll just auto shut off. I wasn't latching. So I thought it was going to be like down the rabbit hole again, and let's go online and scratch our heads for another three days trying to figure this out. And this one only took five minutes because it was a pepcac, and it was my fault. I had the LED at the top of this tester in backwards, of all things. Once I pulled that out with the solder sucker, I got it right, and I... Press the rotary encoder. I'll do it right now. Boom! LED light comes on. It's going through its boot sequence. It's going to look for a component to test. So we have a working board now, finally. This has been a long journey. Like what? 12, 14 months with this thing? The uh, next thing, if you, if you get any of these boards, and whether they work right out of the box or work right after the build, or you need to go through this flashing process like I did, the next step is a calibration. It should explain that with the instructions that come with it, or it's in that PDF. You'll get a big capacitor to stick in here and go to a calibration setting, and it checks that capacitance as like a reference. And then you build a jumper wire, which actually two jumper wires to make like the shape of an M. There are three pads in here. There's like an A pad, B pad, C pad. If you're going to test a resistor or a capacitor, you can do it like on A to B pad or B to C pad or A to C pad. It doesn't matter. It's a, it's a two-prong thing, a capacitor or a resistor, you just stick it in and test it. If you're going to test a transistor, that's a three prong, that's got three leads, you need to be have one lead in the A pad, one lead in the B, and one in the C. So you make this jumper to go in A, B, C, to just basically short them out. So it's going to calibrate and get a shorted value. After that simple calibration, these things are ready to use, and I carry one around with me in the blue bag. I, I have it here. I'll take a picture of these. Uh, the one on the right is one that I bought after buying this initial kit. I got this kit. I built it up. It didn't work. I couldn't figure out why way back when. And then I noticed there was another kit that came in a case. Well, it comes with a case. And it looked like it would be a little more robust for putting in my blue hacker bag and carrying around instead of just a bare board like this other one is. I had plans to get one of my buddies to help me 3D print a case for this uh, the kit that wasn't working, but I never got around to it because I never got it to work. Maybe that can be another episode. I'll 3D print a case for this. Anyways, 
I took a picture, and the one on the right is the tester that I carry around, around with me in my bag. They both do the same exact thing. This one just comes with it like a heavy-duty, kind of a professional-looking case. This was the one that I took to the lug, and my buddy Pico said, oh, wow, that looks really cool. And he goes, will you sell it to me? And I, I said, well, sure, yeah, how much do you want to buy it for? He goes, well, how much did you pay for it? And I said, well, the kit was nineteen ninety nine. He goes, here's a 20 so that was the joke that went on in the lug there that, oh, you know, for my labor of soldering the kit up, I, got, I made a penny. And then the joke got worse later in the lug because he looks up to me and he goes, hang on, did this come with a battery? So then basically I put a battery in it. So I lost money on that deal. Anyways, I was happy to give it to him. I was happy to get another kit. Like I said, this is that second kit that I built up. I keep this in my blue bag. Now I have this other kit, the one without a case, and I have it working now. Maybe I'll put it in a case. Maybe somebody at the lug can use it. Or like I've said before, nieces or nephews growing up, I've got lots of little tools they can use and figure things out without burning up expensive equipment. So there you have it. If you get one of these boards, I hope it works for you. If it doesn't work for you, that's going to be even better because that's where you're going to learn more. Uh, if you need to flash the firmware, I know I just like whizzed through what I did, but it's all new to me and I'm kind of doing this episode while it's all fresh in my mind. So if you get into trouble, like trying to flash it, like send me an email and I'll try and point you in a direction or give you direct help so that you don't have to go waste like three hours out on the internet trying to find these answers that took me forever to find. So my email is nybill at gunmonkeynet.net and uh, I'm on the Mastodon thingy still. And you can, if you want, Make a comment in the show notes, and we'll have a conversation there. All right. Till next time, guys. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.